The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to More Than Amused Podcast. My name is Sadie. And I'm Stani. And welcome. Hope all of you are enjoying this beautiful week and month of september we are true wow finally in fall if you didn't listen to last week's episode about olivia newton john as we were recording last week's episode we realized that the 26th was her birthday and unfortunately we did not have time to switch around all of our planned episodes but if you haven't go back listen because we love olivia newton john yes shout out to her again and it's her birthday. Also, speaking of last week's episode, we ended up kind of doing an impromptu little like watch party with the two of us and just watching mm-hmm. Grease. You kind of had to rent it, so we didn't really have anyone else join. But I think we're going to try it out and watch Funny Girl this week. And I think Amazon Prime's watch party system have is a little free? bit easier. Oh, good. Because, yeah, YouTube's was annoying. <laughs> that was a little weird. But uh, we're going to try that out this week. So if you want to watch Funny Girl with us and, like, chat along, then make sure you're following us on Instagram so you can see when we post that. Or you can just follow us on Instagram and get our various commentary as we watch the movie. True. Have you seen Funny Girl before? I watched the first half, like, two weeks ago, but I haven't seen the oh, second okay, half. Okay, cool. I know that it has a sad ending. I've never seen it. Oh, I remember. Yes, we've talked about it. Yeah. You didn't want to finish because the sad ending, which, you know, fair. Absolutely fair. Very fair. And also, I guess you would know if you clicked on the title, but we're talking about Fanny Bryce, both the original person and then the show Funny Girl. We're going to give a little bit of historical context. And then for the second part of our episode, we are actually bringing on a old friend of ours from high school who actually has a podcast of her own to give us some commentary and thoughts on the current drama yes the current world of broadway with if you're on tiktok at all if you're vaguely familiar i guess of the world of broadway or just leah michelle or i don't know really at this point if you're like vaguely familiar with meme culture I think you're aware of like a bit at least of the controversy going on and so. I'm sure even if you have no idea what's going on, you've seen something about Leah Michelle, Beanie Feldstein and Funny Girl, Mm -hmm. you know, happening right now. And it's really exciting too because like Lena is our resident glee expert for sure. (laughs) That's actually what her (laughs) podcast is about. She co-hosts a podcast called Recovering Gleek and they rewatch glee and talk about all of the different things in it. And so we're excited to have her because she'll know way more about it than either of us. (laughs) Yeah, she'll get to provide the, yeah, truly a Michelle commentary. Well, before we get into our topic of the day, we have our new segment where we just talk about the art that we're creating. So, Stani, have you created any art this week? Yes, I'm doing really weird stuff this week. Um, (laughs) 
So I'm working on a photo shoot. I don't think I can talk about what it is exactly, but I can talk about what I'm making. And I am creating a Christmas scene out of foam with trees and lots of glue and tons of styrofoam. And I don't have anywhere to do it at home. And I don't really have anywhere at work. So I'm doing it on my desk and nice that so was gonna, today like, a little christmas village yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah there's pine trees and little animals and styrofoam all over my desk and I it's been it. fun like that's one of the fun parts about the photo shoot part of my job is i get to do really really weird things every once in a while i love it yeah. and i guess what a perfect way to start fall i think today is the first official day of fall mm-hmm. and there you go you're making your christmas village yep we have to do everything a few months ahead of time obviously so i am in full-on christmas mode but hey all of the craft stores already had all of their christmas village stuff out so oh i'm sure it was extremely helpful to me to have it already there <laughs> you're like Thank you. This is, yeah, who <laughs> yeah. they're doing it for. <laughs> and then we're doing the photo shoot really quick. It's going to be next week. So that's kind of going to be my whole week. I'm going to be making mm-hmm. a Christmas scene out of foam. Yeah. And then we'll I be. I love it. Yeah. Taking pictures of it next week. So it's been exciting. It's been kind of a fun, unusual little week for me. Yeah. I love that. Man, what have I been doing this week? Okay. Well, I got the mix back for the next song that I'll be releasing probably in the next month or so. It's like another collaboration I'm featuring in on a song that an artist is doing. And I kind of put finally put my stamp of approval on the mix. And so I don't know when we're releasing it, but soon. So I'm actually excited about it. And then after that, I don't like have any songs to release. So that means I have to go back to really writing them. So (laughs) that's good, though. That's what we came to Nashville to do. So narcissist. Happy to be doing that. Hey, listen, I actually, yes. Beyond that, though, I am singing at a writer's round on Sunday. And then right before we hopped on our call to record, I got an email asking me to perform somewhere next weekend. And it's actually like a ticketed event for like a, it's called Breaking Sound. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the Breaking Sound Nashville where they feature new and upcoming acts. And I submitted myself a couple weeks ago and i'm actually pretty stoked but now i'm like kind of panicking because i it's not an acoustic set necessarily i guess it could be but i don't want it to be so now i'm like i gotta find a guitar player oh yeah oh anyways so i'm gonna have to figure out how to how to find one before next weekend but i'm actually really really excited to play it so yeah that'll be so fun i know i'm excited just in nashville so that's the art i'm creating is you know gonna be releasing a song soon and i have two three shows actually lined up i have a show this weekend the next weekend and the next so amazing i'm beyond stoked (laughs) that's so cool well should we talk about fanny anything else do it i don't think so i will have to say one of the reasons we're talking about this episode is because i ran across a video talking about oh yeah fanny girl like not the fanny girl the funny girl drama and they brought up the fact that fanny bryce was a real person and my head just went what because so much of like musicals and everything else are based on like books or like other media and so a lot of the times it's fictional characters 
So I had no idea that Fanny Bryce was a real person this musical was based on, you know, that it wasn't. Yeah, I had no idea either. Yeah, so that was kind of one of those moments where it was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast. This is what we're about. Like the fame Mm -hmm. of the stars involved in the drama are kind of overshadowing the legacy of this original woman who was there. So we wanted to make sure we included her in all of this as well. With the episode. Yeah. Yes. So we'll get to the drama and the funniness i'm sure of it the funniness of funny girl oh wow yeah. <laughs> perfect anyways but you're right like we definitely had to make sure we were putting in the historical element here and talking about what this musical even comes from which was yes the real woman fanny bryce yes so i'm gonna start giving a brief history of who she was so fanny bryce also known as finia borak was born in Manhattan, New York City. She was the third child of Rose Stern, a Hungarian Jewish woman who immigrated to the U.S. at age 10, and Palestinian immigrant Charles Borak. Uh, They were saloon owners, and they had four children, Philip, Carrie, Finia, and Louis. So in 1908, Bryce dropped out of school to work in a burlesque review, The Girl from the Happy Land, starring Sliding Billy Watson. I love how long names were back then. It was like... I know. I think we noticed that last week, too. It was like a whole mouthful for (laughs) one TV show. Two years later, she began her association with Florin Zeigfeld, headlining his Zeigfeld Follies in 1910 and 1911. She was hired again in 1921 and performed in the Follies into the 30s. In the 1921 Follies, she was featured singing My Man, which became both a big hit and her signature song. The second song most associated with Bryce is Secondhand Rose, which she also introduced in the Ziegfeld Follies of 1921. She recorded nearly two dozen record sides for Victor and also several for Columbia Records. She's a posthumous recipient of a Grammy Hall of Fame award for her 1921 My Man recording, which is super cool. Yeah. Her Broadway credits as well include... Fioretta, Sweet and Low, and Billy Rose's Crazy Quilt. And then her films include the 1928 My Man, a lost film, actually, 1930 Be Yourself, and 1938 Everybody Sing with Judy Garland, which the YouTube video that, you know, talked all about this drama, they showed a clip of, yeah, her acting with Judy Garland. And like, there was that moment where it's like, you probably know who this woman is, obviously (laughs) Judy Garland, but right next to her performing is Fanny Bryce. And then after, so her first radio show was the Philco Hour in February 1930, but her first regular radio show was probably The Chase and The Sanborn Hour, which was a 30-minute program that ran on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in 1933. From the 1930s until her death in 1951, she made a radio presence as a bratty toddler named Snooks, a role she premiered in a Folly skit co-written by playwright Moss Hart. Baby Snooks premiered in the Zeigfeld Follies in the Air in February of 1936 on CBS, with Alan Reed playing Lancelot Higgins, her be leaguered daddy. She moved to NBC in 1937, performing the Snooks routine as part of the Good News Show, then back to CBS on Maxwell Haas Coffee Time with a half hour divided between the Snooks sketches and the actor Frank Morgan. In September of 1944, Bryce's longtime Snooks 
Snooks sketch writers. <laughs> that is a tongue twister. <laughs> Philip Rapp and David Friedman brought in partners to develop an independent half-hour comedy program, and the program launched on CBS in 1944, then moved to NBC actually in 1948. First called Post Toasties Timed, named for the show's first sponsor, <laughs> the show was renamed The Baby Snooks Show within short order. And then, though in the later years, it was often known as just Baby Snooks and Daddy. Uh, on the spinoff version of Baby Snooks, Hanley Stafford played Daddy, with Reed instead appearing as Daddy's employer, Mr. Weemish. And then Stafford eventually became the longest-running actor put to portray the Daddy character. Bryce was so meticulous about the program and the title character that she was known to perform in costume as a toddler girl, though seen only by the radio studio audience. She was 45 years old when the character began her long radio life, which is crazy that she's like a 45-year-old woman playing a toddler. But It's even weirder when you like think about what you said before, you know, how about they had the one guy who was playing her daddy like be Mm -hmm. replaced by another guy and then he took over as the employer. I'm sure it was because of age, right? You get to a certain point when they're like okay but she's 45 years old when it she's starts 45 years old and then ends up playing this toddler character until like practically until the end of her life like that's insane yeah that is yeah it's so <laughs> funny i mean i get like it's a radio show so the most important thing is her voice but i mean there's still a live audience you know to the radio show mm-hmm. that is seeing this 45 year old woman you know be the toddler (laughs) but she was completely devoted to the character she told the biographer norman katkov snooks is just the kid i used to be she's my kind of youngster the type i like she has imagination she's eager she's alive with all her devilries she's still a good kid never vicious or mean i love snooks and when i play her i do it as seriously as if she were real i am snooks for 20 minutes or so fanny bryce ceases to exist so i love that she cared for her character very very (laughs) yeah i guess for those 20 minutes <laughs> baby snooks writer slash producer everett freeman told Katkov that bryce did not like to rehearse the role she said i can't do a show until it's on the air kid but always snapped into it on the air losing herself completely in the character while she was on the air she was baby snooks and for an hour after the show she was still baby snooks the snooks voice disappeared of course but the snooks temperament thinking and actions were all there bryce and stafford actually brought baby snooks and daddy to television only once an appearance in june 1950 on cbs's tv popsicle parade of stars this was fanny bryce's only appearance on television uh which i realized i when i was reading earlier i maybe didn't make the distinction as much that like these were like cbs nbc radio shows not the television at the time um bryce handled herself well on the live tv broadcast but later admitted that the character of baby snooks just did not properly work when seen which yeah because she's an older woman playing a toddler (laughs) yes uh, but she returned with Stafford and the Snooks character to the safety of radio for her next appearance on Tallulah Bankhead's Big Budget, a large-scale radio variety show, The Big Show, in November 1950, sharing the bill with Groucho Marx and Jane Powell. In one routine, Snooks asked Bankhead for advice on becoming an actress, despite Daddy's insistence that Snooks has no acting talent, <laughs> which, I mean... Yes. That's really funny. <laughs> so a brief thing about her personal life. So she had a short-lived marriage in her late teens to early 20s to a local barber, Frank White, who she met in 1910 in Massachusetts when she was touring in College Girl. They were married for only three years. Her second husband was a professional gambler, Julius W. Nicky Arnstein. Before their marriage, he served 14 months in Sing Sing for wiretapping. Oh, gosh. What? Is Sing Sing a jail? Yeah. Oh. Have you ever seen Breakfast 
at Tiffany's? Yeah, but I guess I didn't make the connection. Yeah, there's this point in Breakfast at Tiffany's where she says she's going to Sing Sing to visit her friend and they end up going to jail. Like it was like the jail in New York, I think, in New York City. Oh, well, there we go. Well, she visited him in prison every week. In 1918, they were married after living together for six years. But then in 1924, Arnstein was charged in Wall Street bond theft. Fanny Rice insisted on his innocence and funded his legal defenses at great expense. Arnstein was convicted and sentenced to the federal penitentiary at Leavenworth, where he served for three years. But then, released in 1927, Arnstein disappeared from Fanny's life and those of his children. Uh, Reluctantly, Rice divorced him, which is good. Uh, September 17th in 1927, soon after his release. They had two children together, Francis and William, who became an artist using his mother's surname, which is cool. Francis and William. Wait. Francis is a girl. William oh, okay, is cool. Francis person. and William became the artist. Mm-hmm. Cool. But then she married songwriter and stage producer Billy Rose in 1921, appeared in his review Crazy Quilts, which I mentioned. And then their marriage failed and she sued Rose for divorce in 1938. Six months after her big show appearance on May 29th, 1951, she died at the Cedars of Lebanon Hospital in Hollywood from a cerebral hemorrhage when she was 59 years old. The May 29th, 1951 episode of the Baby Snook show was broadcast as a memorial to Bryce, who created the Bradish Toddler. Crowned by Hanley Stafford's brief on air eulogy, we have lost a very real, a very warm, a very wonderful woman. Anyways, so there is the brief, yeah, overview of the life of Fanny Bryce. I had never heard of Baby Snooks, but I mean, obviously, it was a full-on character that was very, very successful. And you know, probably the, one of the biggest stars in radio in the 1930s. So that's amazing. And I think the Everybody Sings show she did with Judy Garland was also with Baby Snooks, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I didn't know that. I think so. I think in the video we watched of her like singing with Judy Garland, I think she had like pigtails uh-huh. and was like playing along. Oh, cool. Because I think that was her one film appearance. Well, that's amazing. But yeah, so like beloved enough to end up in a sing-along show with Judy Garland. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I would recommend everyone to look up the Baby Snooks character and just like watch a short video Mm -hmm. of her doing it. It's like not really what you would expect at all. Well, should we talk about Funny Girl? Yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. Okay, so first off, this show has so much drama in it from the very beginning of its inception that this whole conundrum that they're having Mm -hmm. now should not be a surprise. It's literally the show's history. It's almost like like this show is meant for this kind of drama. Yes. You know how like they talk about how Macbeth is always cursed in the theater? Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And it has like this curse that follows it. I don't even know exactly what the curse of Macbeth is, but like. Yes, but I've totally heard it. And it's like this, there's like a superstition of like, you don't say the word Macbeth in the theater or something like that. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, yeah, exactly. And that's why they do the whole break a leg instead of, you know, Mm -hmm. like the theater is very superstitious superstitious and i feel like funny girls one of those shows that people should be a little bit more superstitious of because holy crap (laughs) (laughs) i mean it did take a long time for this revival to happen maybe yeah maybe they were skeptical of it for a good reason (laughs) maybe they should have continued to be um (laughs) (laughs) we'll go into it okay so like you talked about fanny and nikki arnstein had two children francis their daughter and william their son their daughter francis actually ended up marrying a film producer named ray stark 
And he's the mm. one who actually went on to produce the stage musical, A Funny Girl, loosely based on the life oh. of his mother-in-law, as well as the follow-up film named Funny Lady, which I've never seen. Oh. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, so he didn't produce the actual film, A Funny Girl, starring Barbara Streisand, but he did do the original stage musical starring Barbara Streisand. So, but yeah, the plot is obviously semi-biographical. It focuses mainly on the relationship between Fanny and Nikki Arnstein. That's why in Rain in My Parade, she says like, Mr. Arnstein, here I am. No. Oh, okay. That yeah. Makes sense. It's all about their little stormy relationship because he's a gambler. And then I think it focuses mainly on her stage performances. So not Baby Snooks, but the stuff she did with the Ziegfeld Follies. Okay, yes. Yeah, like lots of her singing and comedy and everything with the Ziegfelds. So he actually commissioned a authorized biography of Fanny Bryce based on these taped recollections she had dictated. So I'm assuming she had like had this recorded diary almost, which makes sense if you're on a radio show, right? You're going to do yeah. your diary by voice. But he was really upset with the result. It was this book called The Fabulous Fanny, and he ended up paying the author half a million dollars to stop its production. Wow. Oh, so he hated it. Yes. Oh, actually not half a million. Sorry. 50,000, but still. But still, 50,000 is a lot of <laughs> yeah. money. I accidentally added one extra zero there, but. I was going to say that is insanity, but I mean, still 50,000 is, yeah, yes. a lot of money. $50,000. So then he turned to a man named Ben Hecht and actually asked him to do a screenplay for a biopic film, like completely going mm-hmm. in opposite direction. He didn't like his attempt either. And then he didn't like the attempt of 10 other writers. I mean, I appreciate his care to make sure it's being done right, at least. I guess, but goodness gracious. (laughs) So then finally, there was the screenplay that came forward written by Isabel Leonard called My Man. And he was like, okay, let's do this one. Columbia Pictures also signed on. And they offered him $400,000 and a percentage of the rights to produce this Mm. film and then they were kind of looking at some different actresses including mary martin who's known for like her leading roles in roger and hammerstein stage productions so obviously she's like she's been in a lot of musicals a lot of stuff like that she read the screenplay and then ended up contacting him and saying you should make this a stage musical and so they reached out to jewel stein and stephen sondheim for the score and sondheim Mm -hmm. told stein I don't want to do the life of Fanny Bryce with Mary Martin. She's not Jewish. You need someone ethnic for the part. Mm. Which I feel like is pretty fair, you know? Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, the original Fanny Bryce was very Jewish and it was a big part of her culture and her success. And so Stephen Sondheim, another Jewish man, said, I don't want to do this with a non Jewish actress. So obviously Mary Martin lost interest in the project and backed out, but the idea moved forward from then on of it being more of a stage musical rather than a screenplay. Hmm. So they passed the screenplay off to another actress named Anne Bancroft, and she agreed to play Bryce if she could handle the score. And so they suggested that Jules Stein collaborate with Dorothy Fields, who is credited for writing over 400 Broadway songs. She actually seems super fascinating, and we should probably That's do an episode on her. That's what I was just going to say. Like, oh, yes. episode right there. <laughs> yeah, she's like this major Broadway songwriter that doesn't like get 
Oh. Yeah. Like over 400. Cool. It's crazy. Well, yeah. Future episode coming soon. Yes. But Jewel Stein didn't want to work with her. So. <laughs> well, okay. So we love. Okay. Yeah. So Thanks, then Stein. Stein went to Palm Beach, Florida and composed music he thought Bancroft would be able to sing. While he was there, he met Bob Merrill. He played five melodies that he had written for him. Merrill agreed to write lyrics for them. And Stein was pretty happy with the results. They completed the score, flew to Los Angeles to play it for Stark Robbins and Bancroft. However, Bancroft didn't like Merrill. And so she said, I want no part of this. It's not for me and left. <laughs> so this is the second wow. actress. So then they go on to the third one. Her name's Idy Gorm. She was considered, but however, she had another stipulation. She would only play the part if her husband, Steve Lawrence, was cast as Nick Arnstein. But they didn't like him for the role. <laughs> and so then they approached another actress, Carol Burnett, and she said, I would love to do it, but you need a Jewish girl. So she turned okay, it down well, too, which is very good of her, right? Yeah. So at this point, they're like, we've literally asked so many actresses. There's like all these stipulations <laughs> and everything that's going on. Like, what do we want to do? And Stein thought back on a show that he had seen called I Can Get It For You Wholesale starring Barbara Streisand. Well, there we go. Yes. And he was like, here we go. She's Jewish. She's performing right now at Bon Soir in Greenwich Village. And so they urged Robbins to come and see her. He was impressed. They asked her to audition. And then she came and auditioned. And Stein actually said later that she looked awful. All of her clothes were out of thrift shops. And Fanny's daughter was staring at her with this obvious distaste. (laughs) But because of her voice, Stark ended up hiring her on the spot. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So, because the drama couldn't end there, Robbins had an argument with the book writer, Lennart, and told Stark he wanted her replaced because he thought she was not capable of adapting the screenplay into a book for the stage musical. Stark refused to do that. He wanted to stick with Lennart, and so Robbins quit the project, which meant that Funny Girl actually got shelved for a while, and Stein moved on to different projects for a while. And then Merrick signed Bob Fosse to direct Funny Girl, and they began to work on it again, and then Fosse quit, and the show went into limbo again for another several months. Wow. You're right. Like, thing after thing, people get together. Uh, And then they tried to hire another production assistant. Merrick ended up bowing out shortly after, and Stark ended up becoming the sole producer of the whole project. Streisand actually didn't like the director that they had either and wanted Robbins back, who had quit, (laughs) especially because the director, Kanan, had asked for the song People to be cut, and Streisand had already recorded the song, and it was scheduled for a single release, so it was going to, like, come out and, you know, to help promote everything, and Meryl was like, no, it has to be in the show because it's the greatest thing she'd ever done. And so they kept it, but Kanan agreed to it only if the audience liked it. But of course, by the time the show opened, people had already heard it because it was her single. Yeah. And so they applauded it during the overture. Like, duh. So it was kind of a weird stipulation that he had. But I guess he was like so hellbent of like, they will not like this. I will prove you wrong. And then it's like, well, they did. Yes. Like really, really weird. They continued to have issues with the script and the score all throughout the whole production and performing of the show to be honest um mm-hmm. funny girl opened at the schubert theater in boston and it ended up being too long even though they had already cut 30 minutes from it wow yes and so they had to cut it again they had to cut another 30 minutes before the show moved to philadelphia 
And the critics really loved Streisand, of course, (laughs) but they really disliked the show. And when it moved to Philadelphia, the critics continued to think the show would be a hit if libretto problems were rectified. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the New York opening was postponed five times. I just feel like this show is not meant to happen at this point. (laughs) I know, right? But I guess good for them for not giving up. I guess. They had two tryout periods in Philadelphia at two different theaters. Five songs were cut. Wow. <laughs> they had to add a solo and then rewrite it as a counterpoint duet. And then mm-hmm. um, it just ended up being this huge disaster. The director, the Streisand, didn't like Kanan. He actually ended up writing a novel called Smash that's based loosely on his directing experience of the whole thing. So I guess if you want even more tea, <laughs> you can go read that. I love more tea. <laughs> so excellent. Good to know. But after 17 previews, the Broadway production opened finally on March 26, 1964 at the Winter Garden Theater and then ended up transferring to the Majestic Theater and the Broadway Theater, where it closed on July 1st, 1967. So I think it was a three-year run Mm -hmm. to complete its total run of 1,348 performances. I mean, that still feels like a success. I don't know what's normal, I guess, for a Broadway show. I think that's normal. I think Broadway shows do I mean, I feel like that's really good. Yeah, don't Broadway shows do like two-year runs now? I I literally have no idea. I think that's what they do. But just kind of crazy. So we're going to talk about the synopsis really, really quick. And then I'll go into kind of like the reception of Funny Girl and everything. Cool. Um, so the musical is set in New York City, obviously, just following World War One. It stars Fanny Bryce waiting the return of her husband, Nikki Arnstein, from prison. And the whole story is told as a flashback of their life together. Ah, okay. So it starts out with her as like the stage struck teen. She just like really wants to be on stage. She gets a job at vaudeville. She has like all of these like Jewish women, like it's her mother and her mother's friends and everything that try to dissuade her from show business because they keep telling Mm -hmm. her she's not pretty. Um, Oh, okay. Yes, but she's like convinced that that's what she needs to do. And shortly as she starts performing, she ends up meeting Nick Arnstein who accompanies her to various parties with her mother and goes and sees her perform at various places. They fall in love. They have like a private dinner later in Baltimore when they meet while she's on tour with the show. And then she's pretty determined to marry him. And that's where the song, the iconic song, Don't Rain on My Parade comes in. Oh, I had no idea that that was like a love song, I guess. Yeah, it's basically her being like, I'm going to marry you regardless of what your past is like and anything else that's going on. I totally thought Mr. Arnstein was like a radio guy or something who was like getting in her way. (laughs) It does kind of sound like that, too. I always thought that's what it was. But yeah, it's her just being Uh like, I'm yours. Like, here I am. I'm going to marry him. Yeah. Okay. well, that's cute. So that's act one. And then in act two, they marry. They move into a mansion. She's become a major star. I'm a little bit less familiar with this, so sorry. Nick continues to have problems with gambling. And so he's trying to get Zigfield, who, you know, is the producer of Fanny's shows, of investing. Fanny insists on investing her own money in his different endeavors. It fails. Mm. They start losing their money. 
Fanny tries to make light of it and like use her humor and then Nick gets involved in the shady bond deal and gets arrested for embezzlement and then it flashes forward to the beginning again where Fanny is waiting for Nick to arrive has time to reflect on her situation he arrives and he basically tells her like you're too good for me we can't be together and that's how it ends Mm. wow that is a sad ending yeah, which I mean is kind of what happened in real life, but still, like, yeah, I don't know. They could have made it happier, I guess. It's also kind of interesting that as like a biography, he basically like glazed over the entire baby snooks of it all. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, OK, this is I mean, if this is meant to be a drama, yeah, it sounds like they did, you know, focus on the right thing. But if it is meant as a biography, then like. Where's the, yeah, where's like her biggest success in all of this? It's not in there at all. So Weird. it's really interesting. They really focus on the Zuckfield follies of it all, which I'm sure is like more fun. It's very more show business. But mm-hmm. still like this radio show and everything like that was her major success. So yeah, that just is kind of crazy. Yeah, it also doesn't that. talk about either of the other two marriages that she went through in her life. But <laughs> whatever. I'll they, for the plot I guess this all. one was maybe, yeah, the love of her life. Or <laughs> yeah. The one she loved the most. Barbara Streisand actually was only in... The, two productions of it she was in the original broadway show and then the west end production as well and the rest of them i think were like slightly off broadway and so most of them had other casts which is funny because for the most part i feel like people have been like barbara streisand's the only one who's ever been funny girl until now and who's only been yeah exactly when i was like no that was never how it was it had other people Yeah. yeah Um, Streisand's label, Columbia Records, actually declined to produce the cast album. And so Mm. Capitol Records released it. And I think this might be true of a lot of Broadway shows, which is kind of sad. But the music was just much better than the show itself. Yeah. And like the music is truly incredible. Yeah. Don't rain on my parade. I that's just a great song. And the rest of the songs like truly are phenomenal especially Mm -hmm. with Streisand like she has such humor and like vocal range and like capabilities of it it's incredible Mm -hmm. so of course the album peaked at number two on the Billboard 200 and it achieved gold record status and then went on to be issued as a CD and there's a commemorative 50th anniversary edition you know yeah and then they had like a another edition come out in 2014 and then the original Broadway production received eight nominations at the 18th Tony Awards. And wow. the original cast recording of Funny Girl has actually been inducted into the Grammy, Grammy Hall of Fame in 2004. And then, of course, the screen adaptation, which is all I've seen because I can't afford a ticket to Broadway or New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, they paired Streisand and Omar Sheriff in the role of Arnstein and then had... The whole cast for that, of course. And then the film won Streisand the Academy Award for Best Actress. And the film, which was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture and several other awards, was the top grossing film of 1968. Wow. Yes. So honestly, like the music did phenomenally. And I think a lot of that is due to Streisand. We're not going to like talk a ton about her. But I'm going to very briefly just talk about her accomplishments because I feel like yeah she's so intertwined with Funny Girl because Funny Girl was like the moment when she got noticed and mm-hmm. then her career like took off from there. So um, yes. Barbara Joan 
Streisand was born on April 24th, 1942. She has a career that spans over six decades. And she actually is one of the few people who has an EGOT, which I didn't realize, but that makes sense. That's cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then she started performing in nightclubs and Broadway theaters. Then she did various television shows with guest appearances. Then she signed on to Columbia Records. And something that's cool, she actually insisted that she retain full artistic control and even accepted lower pay in exchange for that. Wow. And that continued through the rest of her career. Her debut album, the Barbara Streisand album, won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Wow. And throughout her recording career, she's topped the U.S. Billboard 200 chart with 11 albums, which is a record for a woman. I don't think anyone's done that that. since. And then also achieved five number one singles on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. The first like film, like starring role she did was Funny Girl, which kind of put her on the map because she won the Academy Award for Best Actress in it. And then she Mm -hmm. went on to star in films including Hello, Dolly, What's Up, Doc, and The Way We Were. And then she actually wrote the love theme for the 1976 A Star is Born. Oh, and then she was in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first time that a woman was honored as a composer. That's cool. And then she also, there was a film called Yentl in 1983, where she was the first woman to write, produce, direct, and star in a major studio film. And the film won an Oscar for Best Score and a Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Musical. And wow. she also received the Golden Globe Award for Best Director, becoming the first and for 37 years the only woman to win that award. I did not. Yeah. Okay. Guess right? another Barbara Streisand. Another yeah. episode coming, Barbara Streisand. Uh, because she's also one of the best-selling recording artists of all time and is the second highest certified female artist in the United States with 68.5 million certified album units. Wow. Yeah. And Billboard has ranked her as the greatest female artist on the Billboard 200 chart and the top adult contemporary female artist of all time. Because, yeah, she's... <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds yeah, right. Like two Academy Awards, 10 Grammy Awards, including the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, the Grammy Legend Award, five Emmys, four Peabody's, the Presidential Medal mm-hmm. of Freedom, and nine Golden Globes. <laughs> all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And so I think that's like one of the reasons why when you think Funny Girl, you think of Barbara Streisand because like she... That was her like her dive, diving board or like her launch pad. Yes. Opposite, yes. Like she was doing stuff before, but that like just catapulted her into like everything mm-hmm. that was to come afterwards. But I also think that's one of the reasons why so much of the drama is happening. So... Yeah, because it's, it's such a like... She set such a precedence. <laughs> yes. And the expectations for like the role of Fanny are just higher than they probably should be and would be for yeah. any other. Interesting. Like I said, this is a, we have a two part episode, two part, but like the next part is literally going to happen in seconds, Um, <laughs> but it's a longer <laughs> episode, but it'll be worth it. We haven't recorded the part with Lena yet, so, but I already know it's going to be really good. <laughs> it is. So we'll move right into that and enjoy our conversation with Lena and more of the drama of Funny Girl. We are joined by our good old high school friend, Lena, who is, you're, a, you're an actress in New York. Like, that's something you can say now. Is that, or I don't know, do you identify as an actress in New York? Well, I'm certainly an actress and I certainly live in New York. I don't know that I'm an actress in New York. 
<laughs> See, that's what like as now being a songwriter in Nashville, it's mm-hmm. like, wow. But it's like, no, like everyone's totally. a songwriter in Nashville. So totally. like, no. And that's the thing is I get on I get on like the subway every day. I walk down the road and I know everyone here is an actor in New York. Everyone mm-hmm. here is an actor in New York. But I, I definitely I definitely live here and I definitely act. So. so but you know what? I think taking the step to get where, you know, there are all the actors in New York. I think that's a look at you go. Way yeah. to make the jump, Honestly, the move. Thank you. Congrats to you as well. Honestly, it's thank it's you. been crazy moving to like, especially the place that I've been dreaming about living my entire life and like yeah. l- grappling with that reality. It's been it's been fun. So congrats to you as well, Sadie. Thank you. I I think yeah, I've had similar moments where sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I've literally wanted to live here mm-hmm. since I was 16 years old whoa yeah okay well and it's also like nothing really feels that different like I'm still just right. you know trying to make it work but now I'm like oh wow I'm right I'm here I'm where I've always wanted you to guys be you're making me very jealous <laughs> <laughs> it's fine I'll just stare at my mountains and clean air and no literally <laughs> no I miss Utah so much you guys like all I do is like I watch I miss it so much more than Honestly, I thought I ever would. I like I have never like even growing up there I never like had a fondness for Utah. I was, I was like Utah and then literally like I was watching like a movie like Power of the Dog on Netflix which is like in Wyoming. It is like vaguely western and I was like I miss the west uh-huh. so much <laughs> I'm going to die. And like I talk about Utah to people uh-huh. like it is the garden of Eden. I just think it is like the most special place on earth and especially like the mountains. I'm like if I don't get back there now i'm gonna cry i just like i'm so i love utah so much i miss it it is stunning i agree i didn't realize the mountains how much i miss them but like now every time like oh utah's beautiful isn't it i'm like yes we Mm -hmm. have mountains (laughs) in our backyard how does anyone know which direction they're facing without mountains i have like i'm thank you (laughs) i am constantly disoriented and I hate it. I'm just like, which way is north? Like, I don't know. Send you guys compasses for Christmas. <laughs> Actually, though, would be helpful. Honestly. So it's fine. Well, well, one of the most exciting things about having Lena here, besides having another Clearfield High School alumni on the pod, hey, <laughs> is that she is also the co-host of a Glee podcast called Recovering Gleek. Hey, thanks. Yeah, so you are like the expert that we need. Like, not only do you know theater stuff, but you know Glee stuff. And with talking about Funny Girl, like, there's no one better to have here than you. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. I have dedicated many hours to studying this stuff, so I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. <laughs> First off, you've seen Funny Girl, and. And I want to just know. I'm being selfish. Oh, yeah. I don't want to talk about anything else first. I want to know. Because you saw it with B. Yeah. Yeah. Name? Yeah. Yes. Be- Thank- Beanie Feldstein. Thank you. What did you think? What are, what are your overall thoughts on Funny okay. Girl? So. In its current In its state. current state. <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay. I have so many thoughts and so many feelings. And, like, so many of my thoughts and feelings are, like, kind of uh, jumbled around. And I'm trying to, like even to this day, like figure out what my real feelings are and what like my selfish feelings are about Mm -hmm. it. I don't know. I'll explain. I saw it on a preview for in like, gosh, when what? Like, I think it was March, like really early on. Like it was, nothing was released about it. Like they had just released 
like videos of their like sits probe like nothing existed about it and no like preview like pardon me not wow. previews no reviews existed as well oh, okay. so i had heard rumors that beanie feldstein wasn't the strongest singer and that was like the biggest thing mm-hmm. i had heard and i was like oh that'll be fine and then i saw it and genuinely i really liked it i really enjoyed it I enjoyed it in a lot of ways. She is certainly not the strongest singer on earth, but yeah. like I felt like she was so much more like she was like really like there was this lot there's this line in there about Fanny that like she reminds you of your grandma because like you just immediately like see her and you trust her. Like there's some there's something mm. about that. And I got that mm. vibe from her. Like she yeah. like was really funny and she like had a lot of love in her and like I felt like really spoke to at least my understanding of like Fanny Bryce as like a role in musical theater. Mm-hmm. So, but I also had complicated feelings because it was like when you think of Fanny Bryce, I think you think of like Barbara Streisand, and you think mm-hmm. of like power belting, and you think of like someone who like yeah. sings and melts your face off. So I think already she's like you know standing up against giants, and it's it's hard to compare. My like thoughts and drama come from like the aftermath of like how Beanie was treated. Yeah, like. Oh, literally, yeah. I have so many like pointy feelings about all of it. Like literally me and my uh, co-host Ian were talking about it on my podcast and we've gotten a fight about it. Like we sincerely both of us cried at the end of this like fight on mic, like oh, on the yeah. podcast because we both just had like so many feelings about it. So yeah, uh-huh. that's kind of how I felt about it. But I enjoyed the show. The show's very good. Jane Lynch was in it. Mm-hmm. She was hilarious, but Oh so, yeah, I bet it, it was, was. Good to see her. I bet I, I bet she was hilarious. Oh my gosh, she it. was so awesome. And then like, oh my god, I've never been like the guy who plays Nick Arnstein in it, uh, Ramin Karimloo. Mm-hmm. I'd never like thought about him before. He was so dreamy. Oh my god, it was amazing. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is why people are obsessed with him. But yeah, those are kind of my feelings about Funny Girl when I saw it. Oh my gosh. So you liked oh, it? I did. Though. I really liked it. For I really those, liked yeah. it. Yeah, because I feel like like people have turned the role of funny girl into something that only Barbara Streisand like and yeah. her vocals could like live up to yeah totally. whereas like we were talking about the original like Fanny Bryce that the story is based on and how she's probably a lot more similar to Beanie Feldstein like not the stronger singer more of a comedic mm-hmm. actress exactly you know so it kind of makes more sense for Beanie mm-hmm. to be in that role even though her vocals aren't really on par with the Streisand of it all <laughs> and that's how I feel as well mm. like when I think of Fanny Bryce, I think of someone who, like, you know, is a comedic actress, someone who doesn't, like, fit the, like, Zigfield Follies role. Yeah. And, like, doesn't look like, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, like, making it work and being a big star. And that, to me, like, Beanie spoke so... Exactly. No, I love that. Which, I guess, makes the reception afterwards so annoying. I guess, what were your... What are your thoughts on that? Oh, my God. You obviously have strong feelings. So, as far deep into it as you want to go. God, I literally, I was like, people were like so mean about her, like just so mean, awful. awful. And like New York was on fire. Like everyone was talking about it. One like who listens to my podcast wanted to hear our thoughts about it. Ian and I from my my Mm -hmm. podcast co-host were talking about it. Like everything, every person at my job was talking about it. Like it was like all a buzz. Mm -hmm. And personally, I thought 
that like, sure, if that's not what you're looking in, like the lead of your favorite musical, that's totally fine. You don't have to like her. But like so much of like, I thought the reception of it and like the people, like people tweeting about how terrible she was and like even like reviews were like, like, let's unpack this. Yeah. Like, what are you actually mad yeah. at? Like, did you not enjoy it? Or really, are you just like, do you just like hate fat queer women? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, really brussled by that. And especially like with her leaving and like, especially when the rumors of Leah Michelle were coming, were like just bubbling. The big thing that Ian and I got in a fight about is uh, Julie Banco, who plays the... Uh, who was the understudy and now like does the role on Thursdays and is still the understudy is like amazing and super awesome. But like he, like everyone was like, Julie should replace Beanie. And I was like, maybe Julie should, but like, why haven't we been talking about someone to replace her who is also plus size? Like yeah. this is like something that I yeah. watched the show when I watched Buddy Girl, I felt really spoke to me as a plus size person. Mm-hmm. Like, and that ha- wasn't even a conversation. And I was like, everyone is being so terrible to her because she's plus size and no one wants to replace her with a plus size person. This sucks eggs. So it was yeah. just yeah. awful. It was just mm-hmm. awful and a terrible time to be on the internet. I agree. Oh, well, the reviews were yeah. cruel. Some of them uh, too. Honestly. Like they were just mean. I heard there was a couple that like made references to her role as Monica Lewinsky, <sighs> like sexual like references yeah. to that, which it was like, that's not necessary. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then, yeah, just a yeah. lot of hate against her vocals when that's not exactly like a fair thing Which, either. I mean, like you said, Lita, it's like it's one thing if it's like, okay, yeah, I went in expecting mm-hmm. this. I didn't get it. And I'm disappointed because that's why yeah, I like totally. funny girl. But... Which is like, you know what? Fair. You can comment that her vocals weren't the best. But I mean, if anything, it's a new take yeah. on, you know, the same role. And I think also, too, it's... Like, they were never going to get Barbara Streisand, obviously. So from my outsider perspective, it's like it almost seems like it would have been a good idea to, like, go a whole new direction with it because there's no way you're going to get Barbara Streisand. And then, like you said, like, finding someone that almost, like, fit the role of, like, what Fanny Bryce was. She was, like, the unconventionally attractive woman at the time who still, like, rose up because of her talent and her, you know, her humor, her Mm -hmm. wit. And, like you know, made a mark on the world. I mean, to the point that, you know, we have this musical and like all of this, like we all know who that name Fanny Bryce now. And it's, it's just, it yeah, sucks. It That's it all. It just sucks. sucks. <laughs> Do you think Glee colored a lot of the feedback? Because we had like, there's so many musical numbers and like the Barbara Streisand, Leigh Michelle, like rule of it all, or I guess Rachel Berry <laughs> of the Glee storyline. Do you think oh that gosh. ended up making things harder for Beanie? I, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, mm-hmm. I remember when Beanie, like, opened, when she, like, when it was first talked uh-huh. of, like, Beanie Feldstein, like, st- like starring as Funny Girl, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, Leah Michelle's going to be so mad about this. Like, mm-hmm. Leah Michelle was, like, yeah. around every corner. Like, yeah. not necessarily her, but, like, her presence and Glee's presence on this musical, I think, really colored people's expect- expectations. Like, you know, maybe if you mm-hmm. haven't heard Barbara Streisand sing Don't Rain on My Parade, you've certainly... You've heard Leah Michelle Exactly. You've it. certainly heard Leah yeah. sing it. Yeah, so it's, like, around every corner, I think. And then especially casting Jane Lynch as well. I think they kind of, like... <laughs> dug oh, her own grave yeah. with that one where it's like yeah. glee fans are gonna come to this glee fans are gonna comment on this glee fans know that this is what they're expecting because they mm-hmm. saw nearly the entire musical on 
their that tv show they have their own (laughs) opinions so i think absolutely i think like you know how glee like not i'm not gonna say ruined this musical but certainly like put a lot of expectations (laughs) on people's heads about about this musical so completely absolutely and hadn't Lee and Michelle like publicly said that she really wanted to do the revival of Funny Girl? Mm-hmm. I, I wonder. Think- does anyone know why like it didn't originally go to her? <laughs> well, I think or- that is probably because of the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter yeah. controversy with Lee and Michelle. Yes, absolutely. Do you remember that? Oh, Sadie? like I. No, I actually, uh, I just generally don't like yeah. her. And yeah. I didn't know there was a, oh, wait, wait, wait. It, didn't she like tweet something? And then all of her co-stars were just like, well, you suck. So this yeah. is fake. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly what she said. It was something like, oh, we all need to be like kinder to each other or something. Yeah. And like more aware of like the differences that we all have or something. And then yeah. literally everyone from Glee was like, you sucked. Yeah. And it was specifically, like, one person who tweeted and was, like, I forget her name. She is in, like, the last season of Glee. Her Mm -hmm. name escapes me. Pardon me. But uh, she tweeted that, like, Leah Michelle like, made her life miserable on set. And she was a black woman. (gasps) And she, like, Leah Michelle like, she quoted, she said that one time Leah Michelle said that she was, like, going to shit in her wig, quote, unquote, and, like, would bully her on set and, like, specifically, like, really racially, like, motivated bullying, especially. Like, so she came out and said that. And then a lot oh. of the co-stars of Glee, like, uh, like favorited it and, like, uh, sent gifts in response as if, like, you know, confirming that they, like, had seen it. Mm. So that kind of happened. And I think that really, like, you know, oh. all of that came out and was, like, kind of tarnished Leah Michelle's reputation, you know. Yeah. So then it's crazy that it's now she's got it. So it's like, oh, that didn't exactly. matter because the Internet wanted exactly. her to have this. Uh, so what are your thoughts that now she has it? What is your opinion? <sighs> oh, my on God. It? What are my thoughts? <sighs> or I guess, I don't know. What are your general thoughts on Leah yeah, Michelle? Like, how do you feel about her? Yeah. I truly, well, I believe the cast members who have come forward and said, like, that she is... Uh, you know, a tyrant to be around on set. And especially like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of her bullying was like racially motivated and that's like, you know, completely unacceptable. And especially Mm -hmm. like just in general, like she was terrible to work with on set. Like she, like there's so Mm -hmm. many accounts of her, I mean, so many accounts. So who knows what's like, you know, confirmed, but like so many accounts of her, like truly bullying people off of the set and like, you know, people have like lost roles and like not necessarily lost roles, but like, you know, roles have been cut down because she didn't get along with them. That's the rumor. Like she just like was a tyrant to be around on set. And I think personally, I think it was a good thing. They didn't cast her in the funny girl revival and then like to turn around and like, because they were losing money and they were looking so hard for like this redemption because of, beanie and like everything that happened there and they were like let's just do like (laughs) the like the lowest hanging fruit we can to get people to come Mm -hmm. and and it it was was her her. and unfortunately it's like completely worked for them like yeah like everyone i know like has seen it everyone i know like i see like bootlegs all the time of it online i think it's like like to me i don't think it's a good thing but also, like, I'm yeah. not in the theater business, and I don't, like, I'm not concerned with the money that they're making, but yeah. I don't know. I don't, it I don't know. It definitely 
feels a little bit like a cash grab. Like they're Completely. like, oh, we're not making enough money off of Beanie. Let's just bring in Leah and we'll raise the yeah. prices. Because didn't exactly. the prices shoot up from like a couple oh, yeah. hundred to like now it's over a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. And that's the thing with Broadway tickets is they fluctuate with like how in demand they are. Like, yeah. oh yeah. Like you can't get tickets for that stuff. What's so interesting to me though is like it seems that it's almost like turning the general public opinion on Leah Michelle. Honestly. Of like almost like when she didn't get the role, I saw so many people on Twitter like that's how I was even aware of this at all. It's just people were tweeting about, I mean, granted, some of the things people were tweeting were hilarious. So like her disappointment of like not getting funny girl. But I just feel like it's making people be like, oh, yeah, she sucks and she mm-hmm. is this way. But she's just so good that she deserves it anyways. Yeah. And I feel like it's like the general, like I, I said, totally the, agree. the public opinion seems to be like, now on her side. it feels like she's on a comeback tour. It feels like everyone loves her now. Yeah, which is so weird. (laughs) I know. Well, even like she's been definitely leaning into it, which I mean, I can't really blame her if you're getting that kind of opportunity. Like, I know. But have you seen like her TikToks too? Like she's starting to actually have more of a social media presence and lean into the whole joke about the fact that she can't read <laughs> honestly good on her publicist because it's a good that choice. is hilarious <laughs> but do, do you think do you think leah michelle can read oh my gosh i, <laughs> I just <laughs> i i know she can read <laughs> uh, do i do i chuckle at jokes that says she can't read yes do i think yeah. that this woman deserves all the ridicule ridicule completely uh-huh. <laughs> Did I watch the original like video online that was like 20 minutes long trying to like, uh, like break down if she can read or not? Absolutely. Did I laugh my butt off? Absolutely. (laughs) It's so funny. Like of all the things to just like become. Part of me though is still like, it's totally possible that maybe she just doesn't read very well. You know what I mean? Like, cause a child star like probably didn't have that much time for like conventional schooling mm-hmm. when you're a kid they just tell you what to say most of the time right until you yeah, can actually seriously so maybe she can read but maybe she's not that great <laughs> it's literally so funny you say that there is literally a video of her like from her time on broadway when she was a kid where she's like well sometimes mm-hmm. i don't go to school because sometimes i have matinees and i'm really tired so i'd rather go to bed you know what i like she says mm-hmm. something like that but like in a more like mm-hmm. child star voice it's like so funny and like you know probably like she probably wasn't going to school very yeah, often yeah that's kid. fair and you know does she like well, does she like to read books i don't know like <laughs> it totally could be a possibility <laughs> that she doesn't read well i i saw a compilation on tiktok of like every time she was involved in like giving an award mm-hmm. and she would never read the name and i was like okay this is insane <laughs> like obviously this woman can read but, but like, like how she? is this all here? Yeah, I was like, yeah. what if she actually can't and everyone's right? Like, that would I know. be... <laughs> That's the thing that makes me nervous about those jokes sometimes, though, is like, what if she really can't that's read, true. you know? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, what if she like... And like, that's yeah. probably something... No, that's honestly a very good point. But I feel fine laughing yeah. at it because I, I feel like there's a very good chance that she... she, she yeah. That's also like, so. I feel fine laughing at her because it's... It's her. (laughs) And like everything surrounding her is like all negative. So I feel like almost, you know, no positive towards her as a person. Have you listened to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast at all? I 
I, I know of it. I follow them on TikTok, and I've, but I've never listened to them. I've only listened to a couple episodes, but one of the, one of the ones that I did is they did mm-hmm. Leah Michelle's memoir. And first off, that was a funny episode. So if you're looking <laughs> for something, but I would recommend. But there was like a part of the book, I guess, where she talks about for Rachel mm-hmm. Berry and how she was like, and I... Like, I don't know where it came from. Like, I just became Rachel Berry, even though I'm nothing like her. And like over and over, the hosts are like, you are Rachel Berry. Like, that is why you were able to do it. And it just, it just made me funny. funny. And then how many times too in the book, she would always be like, but I'm nothing like her. And it's like, no, you are. It's okay. You can just say that you're exactly like the same person pretty much. Just funny. I'll have to check it out. Anyways, I it, it was actually pretty. The funny. way she talks about like not being Rachel Berry is like you know that you are, you know <laughs> that you are. Even in like her recent like she had like an interview with like I'm not sure if it's I think like People Magazine, I don't know something Rolling Stone, one of those. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I demand perfection. What can I say? And I'm like, you are literally so mean. What the heck are you, <laughs> you saying? Are so mean. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, the entitlement is definitely there. I know. <laughs> Which you all give it to her. She's got a great voice, but yeah. you know, that's the thing. a lot of people have great voices and are kind people. Isn't that so. what I think too? But I don't know. Do you think her voice is that exponentially good? I don't. I don't know. I did. I don't know. The night that like she opened, I saw all the TikToks and I was like, oh crap, she is so awesome. Like she is like truly a, and I don't know. It makes me sad. Like she is like such a beautiful performer and like has got like such a great voice. And I just wish she like was a kinder person. And like, I, I just, I totally agree. Like there is someone who is like as kind or like as talented, Mm -hmm. but like kind, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like no level of talent yeah. is an excuse to be a jerk. <laughs> I think I completely yeah. agree. I think that's a great point. But a lot of the times people use it as an excuse, that's for sure. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a quote in Glee, too, where they say, like, say what you will about Rachel Berry, but man, can she sing? Like, boy, she is difficult, but she can sing, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And she's difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> she's so difficult. I don't know. And I think like Glee, I, I don't know. I don't know who she was before Glee, but I just, I know that like, at least my own opinion of like Ryan Murphy, mm-hmm. the showrunner of Glee as a person and like her relationship, I know they were really close and I know he like exacerbated a lot of her behavior mm. and like just saw her and saw oh. a lot of potential in her and was like really inspired by her talent and like wanted to tell stories about her. I don't know. It was a whole thing. And I I think he like really like blew her head up. That makes sense. How young was she when she started? Great question. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was was like, think of that. 2009. She was born in 86. And she, it was 2009 when the show first. I don't know that math. Oh, I'm like, crap, mental math. I know. (laughs) 23. I went to, I would say, oh, 23. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. she was super young. Yeah, that's still pretty formative cool. years. Definitely. <laughs> to be, you know. Yeah, so if you've got someone kind of allowing you to be as much of a jerk as you want, yeah, then seriously. Not a great fun You've got like the job security to like act however you want. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. Man, that's tough. Well, one of the other things I wanted to bring up, there's been a lot of like internet controversies surrounding the costume changes that they've made. <sighs> 
Oh my gosh. Thank yeah. you for bringing it up. Oh my no. gosh. So I have a picture right here of the the final dress has been the one that people are talking about the most. How they changed it from beanie had like I don't know how to explain um, like more of a flowy um one with a deep V in the front and it had sleeves that were very dramatic. And then now Lay Michelle's in a sleeveless or like spaghetti strap more flapper dress style mm-hmm. and why was that a necessary switch that they decided to make because the understudy for beanie wore the exact same dress that she did mm-hmm. regardless of her size it drives me crazy i'm so yeah. glad you brought it up this drives me like so crazy and it like makes my heart so sad mm-hmm. because I don't know, and people had brought this up up online. There's been like a discourse of like maybe one or the other one or both of them had like preferences on how yeah. they would like to dress. Like, yeah. and so that's kind of maybe is a comfortable exactly. Thing. So like if like if one person wanted to be more covered up, if one person wanted to be less covered up, that's like a preference thing for either of them. But it's also like it is such a way to like you know immediately show that like you're some. I mean. If, if what is happening is happening, it, what I think is happening is happening, uh, then they mm-hmm. just, like, are ashamed of this person and want to hide her body and then are like, oh, great, we have, like, this thin, conventionally attractive person. Let's show off this person. It just makes me sad. And, yeah. I, and I think it, like, uh, also, like, just speaks to how this woman was treated while she was playing the role, you know? Mm. I don't know. Definitely. That's what I've thought a lot about, like, since, because, you know, I'm obviously not involved in, like, the drama, but just, like, well, none of us yeah. are. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, I pretend you know, like, I, I'm, but, like, I'm not, like, in the spaces where a lot of people are talking sure. about it, but, like, doing, like, the more research for the sake of this episode, like, all I could think about was Beanie. And I'm, like, how would you feel hearing, you know, first off, getting this much of a pushback against your role and like this was a dream for her like to be a lead in this musical and to like be even like the more unconventional like completely choice I guess you know like what an amazing thing as an individual that I'm sure like like what an opportunity for her and then to have her just completely you know trashed Mm -hmm. and it's like you said like who knows maybe it was a comfortability thing but with everything else surrounding exactly. it, it's just like, ugh, it just makes it seem dirtier yeah. and it makes it seem just horrible. And then it just made me think of like, it seems that production now is like unwilling to stand by their original choice of casting her, which sucks because, you know, if she could have had a whole production team of being like, screw all of you guys, like we made a really great choice and we are still very confident in her talent, you know, and sure, you know, maybe she leaves eventually and it gets recasted for money reasons, whatever. But like, it just doesn't seem they were willing to stand by their decision or stand yeah. by her so that she was just left to have to take all this criticism and then be like, OK, fine, I'm leaving. I, that's, you know, and that's just so thought. gross. Seriously, that's such a good thought, because I feel like like they were not like they weren't protecting her in any way, you know, yes. like they were like mm-hmm. so unwilling to like stand by their choices and so unwilling to protect this person who like also is just like a young woman who like is just making her way in the world you know know. I don't know yeah I don't know and I feel like it was totally a missed opportunity to like talk more about the original Fanny Bryce and like why they ended up casting Beanie for the Mm -hmm. role and like how she parallels more Mm -hmm. to the original story and like yeah you know it would have been a great opportunity to like highlight both 
like the original woman that the play is about and then like still pull in Beanie instead of just making it about Barbara Streisand and Elaine Michelle again, you know? <laughs> I know, totally. I, yeah, and I think like the hard thing with just this production as a whole is, I mean, usually with like a Broadway show, it's usually like sent away at first. Like it like does like a pre-Broadway run somewhere else, mm-hmm. like in Chicago or in Washington, D.C. or somewhere else where like they tr- they test out what works and what doesn't. They like they rewrote the entirety of Funny Girl to like, I don't know what you guys have talked about so far, no, but like good. what you guys are like, like they rewrote all of it. And usually that's something that you want to try out and you want Mm -hmm. to try out your new cast in front of an audience before you put it on Broadway. So I think the hard thing is they kind of just like put it on Broadway without really like, I mean, they, I'm just, you know, they rehearse it, but like they didn't really like do any sort of like test out to see what would work and what didn't. So I think they were like surprised by a lot of the, the feedback they were getting, but it's also like they didn't really know what their show was before they put it on this, on the biggest stage in the world, you know? Mm. Ah, that is interesting. Did did they like comment like why they did it differently this time? Like, I'm sure it was like just like post pandemic stuff. Mm. And like Mm. they had this big name in Beanie Feldstein and they had like, Jane Lynch and they were just like let's get it going going. yeah yeah that's fair I guess I mean but you know it sucks then that they weren't ready for I guess the criticism they got and then they were just like oh we're gonna just hang our cast members out to dry and good luck facing all the criticism didn't also one more thing didn't Jane Lynch leave when Leah Michelle was casted yeah so like (laughs) I mean, like, (laughs) and Jane Lynch has said it's like, it's unrelated, but like, come on. She leaves right before Leah Michelle comes in. It has to be related. I don't know. I don't believe believe that. And like, you know what? Good for her. Honestly, (laughs) I would leave too. Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Like like she served her time. I love that. (laughs) Well, are you planning on seeing it with Leah Michelle then, Lena? Oh my gosh, such a great question. I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. I think like if I stumbled upon it, I think I would, but I'm not yeah. sure. Like I, uh, every day I grapple with that. And like, I think truly as theater theater goers, you'd vote with your dollars. Mm. And I don't know that I yeah. would make a difference at this point, but I don't know that I will see it. I think I'll just watch the bootleg, but yeah. I don't know. Mm. I also think there. I mean, there's plenty of videos going online too. You can get a sense of it. Heaven knows. I don't think I would enjoy seeing it because everyone's got their phones like raised above their heads. Like, God bless the people who work at that theater. But like, I don't. I don't know that I would like enjoy it. I think I would be like too taken out of it by like everyone's reception of it. Treating it like a concert. Exactly. Exactly. Which I don't know that I would enjoy. But so I think I'm going to wait for the bootleg. I don't yeah. think I'm going to see it, unfortunately. Also, I cannot oh, afford yeah. it. Oh, my God. Like, it's like. Well, that's what I was like. I mean, at this point, it's you expensive. Gotta, yeah, you got to really so I don't think cash so. up here for that. But maybe if I if I like stumble upon cheap tickets, probably. And I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be excited to know you're comparing and contrasting on all that. Honestly, that's the thing, too, is I'm nervous. I'll love it. <laughs> She's just like such a great singer. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Is there any other comments you have on any of it that oh, you would gosh. like to share with the world? I don't think so. I think I said You have an it. open mic. Take a stance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My stance is you can be talented and also be kind. Mm. 
I so, love that. There we go. <laughs> That's my stance on all Good life lessons with Lena. I don't know. Wow. Gosh. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming. Oh my gosh! Literally, you should have you should have seen me when I got your guys' message. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the best day of my whole life. I remember <laughs> when you guys started this. Aww. I was like, oh my god, so proud of you the whole time. I just think you guys are the best, and well, I'm so you. like just pumped for you guys with all of this. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's safe to yes. you. Like I just, I feel like I'm a fan from afar, you know, <laughs> like, and I just love seeing your updates on social media. And like, when I saw you move to New York, I was just like, good. That makes, yeah. it just like brought me, like I said, like a fan from afar where I was like, I'm just like so happy for her and like everything you post and like seeing the success of your podcast. I like know. it's, it's been so fun. And I, I was getting like every single one of you guys' TikToks mm. on my page <laughs> and they were making, they just made me laugh. Like it's so good. Oh and so I'm happy to hear that. Like I said, I'm big fan Definitely. of everything and it's just so fun to oh, I feel yeah. see how all look at how all our lives paths are going <laughs> look at us like this is like a little high school reunion we should catch up soon we'll talk about just really? our lives and Definitely. all that I, I'm so glad I'm so glad I got to I chat know. with you guys especially about silly silly funny girl oh my god <laughs> we love silly funny girl <laughs> We do. And definitely everyone needs to go check out Lena's podcast. Thank you. It's Recovering Gleek. Mm-hmm. And you're everywhere, right? So, yep. Mm-hmm. On, all, on all the streaming platforms. Check us out. Check us out. Are you guys, like, still watching Glee? Mm-hmm. Like, are, have you guys run out? Or I guess there's probably a lot of seasons yeah. of Glee. We're on season five right now, and okay. there's six seasons. So we're just okay. about finished. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And is each, each episode is... Like, each episode of the podcast corresponds with an episode of the yep. TV show, right? Yeah. So uh, now, cool. uh, the way our schedule works out, it used to be we would put out two episodes mm-hmm. a week, but now my podcast host, co-host Ian, is on a cruise, so we don't have the the Wi-Fi to get that done. So now we just do one oh, podcast yeah. a week. Mm-hmm. And one one week, it's an episode of Glee, and the next week, it is uh, audience response. We call them mini-sodes, so people will email oh, in about their thoughts of the episode, and we read those. That's so cool. I know. Oh, fun. that's fun. Yeah, it's that. a blast. Oh, I love that. I know. Look at us podcasters. Cool. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I know. So well, fun. thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm, I'm so you. pleased I got to chat with you guys. Seriously. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to Lena. I did. Yeah. It was so great to talk with her again. And her, like you, we've said, her expertise mm-hmm. on the subject of Glee and theater and New York City and Broadway and... I know she's just living in that world right now so it was so fun to have someone who's Mm -hmm. like you know has seen the actual show I did not know that she had actually seen the show I know that's the best so yeah I hope you all enjoyed that learning about Fanny Bryce and everything like that um definitely come over Mm -hmm. on Instagram and share your thoughts with us on morethanamuse.podcast on Instagram and feel yeah. free to check out Lena and her podcast for sure. Just recovering Gleek everywhere you listen. And we'll be back next week. Listen, it's the start of October next week. And October is my favorite week for more than favorite month. I mean, for more yes. than news because we always have a lot of fun, creative ideas. And it's going to be so fun and also we're going to be doing like a lot more watch parties of like different shows and everything so be sure to follow us on instagram for that oh yeah especially with halloween coming up we've got like some spooky fun stuff that we'll be we doing plans. So. i'm so excited yeah yes. well have a great week and we'll be back
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.